Justified Season 5 is over, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps. It's the Justified Podcast. We have been rewatching every season of Justified over the past several weeks, and now we're done. We've rewatched it all, and we are ready for the final season of Justified to begin. Uh, I am Josh Wiggler. I am here by a man who lives and dies by the 21 foot rule, Antonio Mazzaro. Holy cow, there's another season coming up? There's one more. We've got one more. No way. That's amazing. Isn't that great news? I really That's fantastic news. You just made my day. I thought that it ended at season five, and I thought that we were done, and we would never be talking about the the names Raylan Givens and Boyd Crowder ever again. But here we are. We're we're still in business for another 13 weeks. My gosh. I I feel like we got renewed. I feel so happy about this. Ah, man. Yeah, but the bad news is in 13 weeks, it's actually really done. Oh, boy. It's actually really over. But the cool thing is we're still going to be talking about Justified for 13 weeks from now. I'm happy to I'm happy to sit down and do that with you, Josh. I'm always happy to sit down and do anything with you, Antonio. Me too, with you, not me. Although I'm I like to entertain myself as well. Oh my god, this has just got really awkward. Anyway, let's just speed <laughs> right along and just talk about what we're here for, which is not talking about what uh, Antonio and I, I like to, I like doing do jigsaw puzzles. That's what I was talking about. I, I don't believe that's true unless that's a, a name for something that I will not mention. <laughs> anyway, Antonio and I are here to talk about Justified Season 5, uh, which is the, the most recently released full season of Justified. Ended last spring, ended in April, I believe. This is the only season that I had not seen in its entirety when we started talking about Justified. Antonio had seen all of you know Justified at, at, up to this point. That's right. You were, you were totally through Season 5. You just had to rewatch it now right that's correct yeah and i'd only seen i think the first i think that i stopped by the way spoiler alert if you have not seen season five because here's the spoiler uh, i think i stopped watching uh season five when boyd shoots up johnny cousin johnny in mexico and i think at that point while i was watching it live i was kind of like oh come on i'm done give me a break i'll come back to it but i'm annoyed i was really annoyed when he killed cousin johnny you you feel you feel bad about that? You uh you really uh, I don't remember you being on I'm not, Team Cousin Johnny I'm not throughout. A huge Cousin Johnny fan, but I thought it was rushed and I and I didn't like how rushed it was and I think I was annoyed with the crows at that point and then just this was, you know, we're going to kill Cousin Johnny in Mexico. Come on. Come on. He deserves better than this. The stakes are high down there across the border. I guess. And then like, you know, I I didn't know this at the time, but have, having watched the subsequent episodes, they kind of just like don't do anything with with Johnny. He's just he's just like a problematic body from that point forward. Yeah. And we had some did we have an uh, email about that from uh, Hunter Scholl? Yeah, we do. Hunter Scholl wrote in and asked, do you guys think we were supposed to root for or against Johnny Crowder? In the earlier seasons, he seemed to be the most decent of the Crowders. Ava even said he was the only one she could stand, but in seasons four to five, he really became a snake. Still, his death was probably the most shocking of the series to me. I really thought he would stick around and ultimately help bring Boyd down. I don't know if I would say it was the most shocking death of, of, uh, of Justified for me, but it obviously was jarring enough and, and annoying enough to me that I had to stop watching Justified while it was on. I had other things to do, and this was just, I was annoyed. I didn't Yeah, like I think that's, that's interesting feedback, because I think the overarching kind of elements of this season is, uh, I think they are moving to the finish line throughout season five, and they know they have to get certain chess pieces and certain places on the board to set up what will no doubt be uh, a fantastic uh, season six with all the pieces that they've put in play and where they've put them. So I think because of that, I, th- I do think people were frustrated with various storylines in season five, be they what happened with, with Cousin Johnny or uh, what happened with Ava throughout uh, her prison storyline and, and things like that. I know there's been negative feedback about this season, but personally, I found it to be once I sat down and rewatched the whole thing as a piece uh, and knew that I was, you know, uh, getting season six coming up very shortly, I was much more satisfied with season five because I recognized ultimately 
ultimately where things needed to be uh, for them to tell the story they wanted to tell in season six. And, and as part of that, I think you have to take Cousin Johnny off the board at some point. I do think you have to do some of the things they did, which were probably somewhat unpopular throughout the course of season five, which we'll talk about here on the podcast. Uh, but I, I think some of these things were owing to that. And I mean, you look at Hunter. I know Hunter's a big justified fan. Hunter sent us a lot of feedback throughout the course of our rewatch. And Hunter said this was the most shocking death of the season uh, or the series uh, for Hunter. So I think that despite that, uh, this this cousin Johnny thing and other things are still very big moments, which which delivered a lot of uh, shocking elements to people that were watching. So let's break it all down, shall we, Josh? Yeah. And you know what? I think what, what, what a really interesting thing that you said to me at one point, I don't know if it was on the air or off the air. You say a lot of really weird things to me off the air, but on the air, I think that you said that season five is a bit of a chessboard uh, season. You, and you mentioned that just now, that it's really season five is a lot about moving people and characters and storylines into position for what's going to be the final season of Justified. Uh, and with that in mind, I had a lot of appreciation for season five, actually, when I finally did sit down, watch the whole thing, finish the whole thing for the first time for me. Uh, it, it went by pretty quickly. A lot of the, the twists and turns made a lot more sense now that I know where, where the show is really going. Uh, Boyd just getting worse and worse and worse, which I think has really been building up over the past several seasons. Uh, so I think, I think that's a good way of looking at it, that season five, it's kind of, it kind of is that chess piece season. You know, it really does... Uh, it does exist to get us to where we are at the end of season five. Even uh, Graham Yost, who's the the showrunner of Justified, he gave an interview with TV Line today. Uh, and TV Line asked him about, uh, asked Graham Yost about, you know, everything about uh, the Ava story in prison and where they left things off with Raylan versus Boyd. And this is a quote from Graham Yost. He says, we felt that the whole reason for last season was to set that up to put Ava in a place to put Raywood and Boyd at loggerheads again. It gave us an interesting place to go that really brought it back to our three central characters. So that's the showrunner admitting that season five exists for season six. Yeah, and and I know we were talking off the air about this. The My opinion is don't, that— the, Don't talk about that one thing that I told you off oh, the air. The upstate New York no, thing? No, 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 no. The other oh, thing, shoot. but don't talk about that either. Oh, my gosh. This is so stressful. It's a lot for you to keep track of, but I feel like I'm going to stroke out. Yeah. So no, I, I we were talking off the air about lots of things, uh, some of which we can now talk about, and some of which I don't know what you're talking about. It so never be mentioned again or alluded to. No, no, and, and didn't happen, and and certainly we're just in jest if they did happen. Anyway, the uh, it was just I, I think the strength of the Boyd. And Ava love story that that they really do. I mean, when we talked about our rewatch here, of course, Ava and Raylan are are a couple in season one, and there's some lingering effects there in season two. And I think it's not until the end of season two, really, uh, or, or that you you feel the strength of Boyd and Ava, and you see what they could really amount to. Uh, and then we see this sort of rise and fall of that relationship. We see them, and their pipe dream is represented metaphorically by that house on the hill that uh, Ava's mom used to clean up, uh, and that. Boyd was doing so much for that money, and that's a huge deal in season four. Uh, how this, these devil's bargains that he's striking in order to try to stay ahead so that he can get out of the game ultimately, so that he can go legitimate, so that he can be part of the high society people that overtly reject him uh, in season four. And that's all very interesting because they're so close together that to get them to a position where Ava 
is willing to rat out Boyd or, or willing to inform on him. You really have to take Ava on a journey. You have to put her in a place where she's forced to deal with a lot of things that she's you know been exper- experiencing over years. Uh, and you have to put her on her own, sometimes, in fact, directly in solitary, uh, and have her experience those things in order to get her to that point. I think anything else would have felt rushed and would have felt shallow. So if it takes a whole season and we get some oranges and new black without the comedy type vibes and with Ava in prison, I'm okay with that. I, 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 especially on rewatch, I didn't mind any of those scenes. Yeah, I didn't either. I actually really liked the Ava storyline this year, knowing that, that it's going to go to this place where it's going to set things up, where it's going to be Raylan versus Boyd in the next season with Ava caught in the middle. I really, I totally agree with you. I mean, what were they going to do? She's going to have like one bad night with Boyd and then turn to Raylan and be like, yep, I'm ready. You know, you can't do that. The only other thing they could have done maybe is a, is a time jump uh, between four and five. And, uh, you know, maybe she's just getting out of prison. And then season five is kind of what they're doing with season six. But I feel like you got to see it. You know, we've earned the right to see Ava and Boyd break up. We've earned the right to see, you know, it's such an improbable romance to begin with that we have earned the right. We've been on that journey. We've been on this ride for so long. We've earned the right to see them go their separate ways. And even if Boyd doesn't know quite how extreme, how extremely they've gone their separate ways. I feel like if we had not seen that, even if it's at the expense of seeing kind of a controversial storyline, which I guess people really did not care for the Ava Crowder story storyline in season five at all. Uh, now that I'm kind of playing catch up on what the feedback was of, of season five, uh, I think you had to go there. I think yeah. you, I think you needed it if we were going to get to where we are at the end of this thing. And I think where we are at the end of this thing is, you know, as interesting as anywhere we've been on Justified. Yeah, and it's that interesting debate. And it's a debate that we play a part in here at Post Show Recaps because we talk about episodic TV week by week. And we do things like we're doing now with Justified where we catch up or we do one-off podcasts about states of series and things that we talk about. But our main bread and butter is talking about shows that we're going to do this with Justified week by week. We're doing episode breakdowns. What happened? What are we looking forward to next week? So forth and so on. The problem with that sort of thing is you wouldn't read a book chapter by chapter and say, man, this book sucks. You would, you know, you would actually actually probably want to read the whole book before you decided that you didn't like the story that the book was telling. I mean, you can't just read one chapter of a book and say, boy, this, this book is off track. I mean, you can do that, but you're not really giving it a fair, you know, summary of the whole story that the book is telling. And I think that's what happened with this Ava Crowder thing is I think had people known at the beginning of the season, which I did going into it, watching the second time, if had people known where this was going to end up and had people thought about the overall arc of the series, I think the feedback should have been and would have been a lot better. Uh, and I think you do a time jump. I think then you have to time jump every storyline and things are I'm a little bit frustrating. No, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I, I think this is probably the only thing that, that they could have done once they realized that was the story they wanted to tell. And I, there was nothing about it that I thought rang false. And as a matter of fact, it's very interesting to me because you see what Boyd is going through on the outside that is distracting him from Ava. And then you start thinking about why is Boyd doing what he's doing? Is he doing some of the things he's doing? He's doing to cover up mistakes he made because of Ava. So for example, the first episode, he beats down, uh, whatever the guy's name is, Paxton or, uh, the, Paxton, you know, Ber- yeah. Lee Paxton, Bernard from Lost. Bernard. He beats him down. Bernard's such uh, a dick on Justified. What the he hell? is. And, and it's, ju- it, it is seemingly justified by, 
it's a big mistake by Boyd. There's a lot of mistakes in that in that moment and in that scene. Uh, but you understand why, because he's running Ava down and Boyd's very emotional about it. And it's the Ava thing there. So anytime Boyd has to spend in pursuance of drumming up 250,000, 300,000, these numbers keep getting thrown around. They're so fake. That all makes sense. But then Boyd is really focused on getting heroin into Kentucky and dealing with all the crows and dealing with all those things. And he does lose sight of, of Ava. And he's not down there every day knocking down doors. And it's not his number one life issue. Uh, and as a result, you see his other pursuances are, are sort of derailing him from this prime issue in his life. And he's still very emotional about it. When he finds out that she's been transferred to state lockup, he is just so distraught running down to that jail. So yeah, we, I feel like we've seen a lot of like Boyd Crowder rage recently yes. uh, like just like boyd crowder ah you know just like the walton goggins scream of death uh, <laughs> yeah i feel like we Is that we, like the wilhelm scream yeah i wish oh my god <laughs> someone please edit all of boyd crowder screaming with wilhelm scream uh, or, or reverse or take any instance of the wilhelm scream in film history with uh, and crowder replace scream. it with the boyd crowder yeah. scream that's but, what we need but that was like the end of season four when he you know he's helpless but to watch ava get arrested and then yeah again when like she's taken away and he finds out that she's been sent off and is not going to be free. Uh, lots of that that signature Boyd rage. Yeah, Jimmy. When Jimmy gets shot near the end of the at the oh, end. Oh, that was brutal. Can I, just a sidebar. I didn't realize how much I liked Jimmy as a character. Uh, yeah, he's great. That's he, what, that was one of the great takeaways from from watching all of Justified, uh, all five seasons in the the time period of I guess like a month and a half now. Uh, he was a really good character, totally solid guy. Survives the snake bite. I couldn't believe that. I'd kind of just completely forgotten about this guy, and he was super solid, super they, solid sidekick. Boyd's other henchman, uh, whose name I'm forgetting, the bartender, not the bartender, but the guy who was a bartender in the first scene when the crows try to shake him down and they kidnap him. And oh, yeah, uh, I totally yeah, don't that, remember that guy. Carl, I think his name's Carl. Carl. Yeah, I think his name's Carl. Carl. Carl is Carl is also I, if that's his name, I think he's great, too, uh, because he's just is the, he still his, alive at least. Yeah, he is. He's I, I believe so. His improv when he's being kidnapped by uh, yeah, Daryl or by by Danny and. Uh, and Dewey is fantastic because he's just like he improvs. Oh, I for, we were in a sexual situation and I forgot the safe word. And to see Danny Crow try to adjust to that, that that great ad lib that that he calls there, that, you know, that audible that he calls in the moment. Uh, Danny so Crow's weird. like, yeah, we, we share similar uh, interesting things. Yeah, that's such a strange thing that you have in common with with uh, Danny Crow. You just always forget the safe word, Antonio. I, <laughs> I know Fidelio like the back of my hand. All right. Oh God! Uh, yeah, no, I thought that I thought that Carl was good, but I, I'm sad that Jimmy's gone. I'm sad that they got rid of Jimmy. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it the the stakes are there. The, it, all, the, it all serves to just like really just get Boyd so hot by the end of this thing. You know, yeah. this whole season is really about just pushing him further and further along to the breaking point. I mean, we haven't seen Boyd murder this many people in so long. Right. Uh, you know, he he's obviously involved in illicit activities and crime and killing and all this stuff and kidnapping and blah, 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 uh, drugs, you name it. But like actually pulling the trigger on people, I don't think that he's really done that since Devil. Uh, not that I can think of anyway. And then like right away in season five, he's just freaking killing people. He's just to the point that he's throwing explosive cigarettes at people and blowing them up. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. So Boyd has gotten really, you know, Boyd without Ava, uh, you know, talk about a, a dog off his chain. He's really on the loose and it's, it's pretty crazy. 
Yeah, he's very un, he's like unmoored. I mean, and he he sort of knows it because throughout this season he's he's so distracted, he's so kind of caught up. I mean, when Dewey Crow comes to shake him down uh, and he's looking for money, Boyd's loading up his gun, but and Dewey gets a little nervous, but Boyd doesn't give a shit about Dewey Crow. Oh, not at all. <laughs> he just could care less about what Dewey Crow is. Well, let me tell you something, Dewey Crow. That's what America yeah. is. Go make your money, you know? He, like, said, he says, uh, sometimes being a man means putting your foot down. So put your foot down, Dewey Crow. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it just gives him a great pep talk. And uh, he just he just so many different things that are pulling him in different directions. And he, he could care less about so many of them. And, and Dewey Crow is a good example of one. And he's got to deal with Daryl Crow, who is just like a, I don't know, like a mentally handicapped, like uh, animal of some sort. <laughs> it's it's just so rough. And he can we talk about Daryl Crow? You want to just get right into Daryl Crow? Yeah. What do you? Th- I mean, what? Uh, let, let's talk about it this way. I here's what I would say, and here's how I want to introduce talking about Daryl Crow. I, I think season five is unfairly maligned on a lot of levels, and the Ava Crowder one is one of them. Uh, there are other there are other ways in which season five is unfairly maligned. One way in which I do not feel season five is unfairly maligned is I just don't think Michael Rappaport is right for that role. I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, I and and you know that he's right was- for it physically. I mean that he, the one of the probably for me the high point is when Boyd does recruit him to beat down the the neo Nazi type the skinhead type guy who is huge and obviously who Boyd could not take physically. When Daryl Crow rolls up and just beats that guy senseless, that really plays. And you're like, oh, I see why people would be intimidated by Daryl Crow. Michael Rappaport is a really big guy, but the rest of it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think that, you know, it, it kind of depends on how you're looking at it. If you're looking at Daryl Crow as the big bad guy of the season, you know, Justified has has done this a lot. We had Mags Bennett in season two. We had Quarles in season three. We took a break. But if you want to call Jim Beaver as Drew Thompson, you know, the quote unquote big bad of season four, that's, a, you know, big, big shoes to fill. You know, it's a lot to live up to. And if you're looking at it from that perspective, you know, Rappaport as Daryl Crow, Michael Rappaport, and, and just the Crow family coming in and them kind of filling that role of bad guy of the season, certainly probably the worst. I, I don't even think probably. I think it's definitively the worst of that type that we've seen on Justified so far. Um, and I think it is a matter of casting. I don't think the casting is is perfect. I think maybe, I don't know, there's just some sort of like, I don't know, He there's there should have been like a little more of an intellectual vibe from Daryl Crow. I feel like just in terms of like what his reputation is like, I feel like he's capable of more things than the performance allows me to believe. Uh, I'm not a huge Daryl Crow fan, but the other thing is, is on the rewatch, it didn't bother me that much because I was really, I'm kind of looking at this season of justified that, that it's really more about Boyd is the big bad this season. Uh, we're, we're really getting to that place. And I know that that's going to be the case for season six, but this season I was so focused on just Boyd being, you know, just getting worse and worse and worse. And we've been talking about that a lot on these podcasts, going back and looking at uh, earlier seasons of justified Antonio, that, that Boyd really has been barreling towards this point. You know, he was reluctant to get back into criminal activity in season two. Uh, but by the end of season two, he's, he's ready to take over Harlan crime and season three, he's shooting his friend Devil, and he's just getting worse and worse. Uh, he's working with the mob in, in season four, and he's hunting down Drew Thompson, and now he's going around and like actually just murdering people with his own two hands. 
Uh, and I, I just kind of feel like that's what we've earned. I feel like we've earned Boyd as the big bad. And I'm kind of looking at the Crows and Daryl Crow in particular, not as the big bad of season five of Justified, but as kind of the tourist bad guys. Sort of one-off bad guys that are overstaying their welcome a little bit. These are the types of characters that you would expect Justified to spend one, two, maybe four episodes at most if you're the stupid chicken guy. Uh, I, that's really that's how I look at, at these guys. And I think that they're tourist villains that overstayed their welcome a little bit. Uh, and when I started looking at it like that, uh, I, my stance on it softened a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know, Michael Rappaport as that character, it's still not the best. Yeah, this is a show for sure that has crushed it in casting. I mean, absolutely grand slam home run. Nearly every single beat has been struck phenomenally in terms of the casting. So it's it's sort of easy to I mean, it's like finding flaws in a great diamond, like to say that it's it's miscast. And I don't necessarily feel that it is miscast per se. I like Michael Rappaport as an actor. I actually think, I mean, I remember him from, from higher learning. Uh, the, I think it's a John Singleton film. Uh, that's like a college movie where he's sort of the, the guy who gets recruited by the skinheads in the movie because he's very screwed up, very out of place, very lost. And he plays that all very well. Uh, and, and he's uh, always been an interesting actor to me. He's just an interesting guy, but to play him as I, I, I kind of agree with you that Daryl Cross seems like he probably should have had a lot, a little more intellect to him because look, he's matching wits with Boyd Crowder. He's always going to be behind exactly. in that regard. Uh, now he's not going to be behind when matching wits with Dewey Crow. Uh, so he, he does shine through pretty a little hard bit to be there. Behind on that. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like, what is his, he's bigger than Boyd, but he's not smarter. Uh, and he's not necessarily meaner or more cold-blooded. Uh, so putting him up against Boyd, he's always going to look less than, and he's never going to really be seen as a threat. And so his most interesting moments of throughout the season for me are when he, Boyd is using him, and you're wondering, like, okay, is Boyd distracted by this other business at hand, or how many steps ahead of, of Daryl Crow is he? And so the whole subplot in Mexico where – Daryl has never planned to to do the things they did, and they kind of Daryl calls the audible and shoots the guys in the desert uh, because he wanted to cause a situation wherein he had to help them get out of Mexico. Like that's a Daryl Crow plan, and Boyd gets hip to it, and Boyd's like, "Yeah, let's just let it play out. Forget it. Like we're going to see where this goes. I'm not too worried about this. Like I can deal with this." He's not even threatened when he realizes that Daryl Crow has been a little bit ahead of him uh, and planning behind his back. That's how much a, a, of a lack of a threat. Daryl Crow brings to the table in terms of Boyd. Uh, Honestly, so, when you talk about it that way, I'm a lot more okay with Michael Rappaport as Daryl Crow. Yeah, because he's just kind of a you know lumbering kind of like you know this big guy. And of course, look, let's look at the real world. Most criminals have grandiose ideas and have much bigger plans to to pull off all these actions and or or aren't thinking in the moment. So they get caught and they do stupid things. And there is a Twitter account called like at Florida Man. It might be under Florida underscore Man. That all they do is retweet news stories from Florida that begin with the headlines: Florida Man seen, for example, uh, cross 
missing crosswalk with his pants down. Says they just fell down and he wasn't waggling his genitals. He was actually exercising. Like they're all <laughs> of the ridiculous crimes that people in Florida commit. So Florida is chock full of ridiculous criminals like this. So it is not for me to say, oh, well, Daryl Crow's an idiot. Like Daryl Crow thinks he's really smart and he thinks, and by the way, based on the company he keeps, he is smarter than Danny Crow, smarter than Dilly Crow, smarter than Dewey Crow, probably not smarter than Wendy Crow, Definitely but he knows, he knows but he knows that and he knows why he needs her. So he's not the biggest idiot in the world. He's just not as smart as he thinks he is. I feel like he's not he's, as bad feel, as he thinks he is, right? Yeah. I feel like I feel like he's like uh he's like Coover with Dickie's brain. I feel yeah. I, I feel like I feel like that's that's not far away from from the character. I feel like, you know, he's this big lumbering monster of a man who could definitely knock your your teeth out with one punch. Uh and he's he's not you know the the dullest knife in the drawer. Dickie Bennett, you know, for all of his faults, isn't a total idiot. No, uh, you know, some of his plans were not so bad. He just lacks any of like the other qualities to pull any of that off. You know, he's a total coward. He's a bit of a piss ant. Uh, I believe we called him a weenus. Uh, yeah. I would not call Daryl Crow a weenus, but I think that like his his intellect is about on par with a guy like Dickie Crow, maybe, maybe a couple of uh, Dickie Bennett, maybe a couple steps higher than Dickie Bennett. Yeah. The problem is, and, and Dickie Bennett suffered from some of this, but the problem is that he thinks he's smarter than Boyd. I mean, he really thinks he can get ahead of Boyd Crowder. And at one point uh, he, he describes doing it with physical violence when he says to Wendy, like I'm only, I only have to kill three more people and then I'll be in charge of all the heroin in Kentucky. Right. And that that's sort of his plan is like, I'm just going to stick around here. I just need to kill these guys. Like, yeah. I just need to kill them. That's what I need to do. And that that makes some sense. I just I don't know. He just seems sort of adrift and he doesn't he his accent is his accent. His acting is his acting. I I, I think he's he's making clear choices. So I approve of that in the, the context of the role. He's not giving them nothing. Uh, he's giving them something. I just wonder. I'm just wondering if he was giving the writers and, and everyone involved in the show what they envisioned uh, when they thought of the role of uh, the role of Daryl Crow and and what they wanted to pull off. But um, I, it's it's a minor weakness. It's not a significant one because ultimately it's just it, it's only that we spend a lot of time with the crows that that we end up criticizing Daryl more because we see him more on the screen. We we do spend a fair amount of time with them this season, but we get at the you know the plus side of that is we get a ton of time with your man Dewey. Oh my God! Yeah, I think um, here, here's what it comes down to. We we had a our 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 good buddy Brendan Fitzpatrick tweet us a bunch of questions. Hopefully, we'll get to a lot of them. Uh, one of the things that he wrote uh, was, I, "I have really mixed feelings about Justified season five. Boyd and Dewey are great, but Ava's story misses. We disagree. Uh, does the good outweigh the bad enough to make it not fifth out of fifth in season rankings? I mean, we could talk about that now. We could talk about that later. But what what I do want to talk about is is the good outweighing the bad. And you know, may, maybe Daryl Crow is not the greatest, and maybe his family is not so great. But it gives us the opportunity for so many great Dewey Crow moments. Uh, Dewey Crow is on fire this season for my money. You know, that opening scene of season five uh, where he's in the court and they're talking about you know how he's he's he should be he should be released and there were there was you know uh wrongdoing in the case and they need you know he's gonna get he's gonna get to walk away with with 300k and uh when they tell him would you be okay with 300 he's like no i would not be okay with 300 dollars like 300,000 <laughs> and there's just this insanely wonderful slow motion shot of dewey's breath just like 
being taken away as he just like falls down into his chair and sinks into his chair in utter ecstasy slash disbelief that this is about to happen for him. Uh, and like that is the first scene of the season and it just sets the standard for all of the great Dewey Crow stuff to come. So uh, if, if having Daryl Crow on the show meant having so much great Dewey Crow stuff this season, I, I will take that trade. I would say that the good outweighs the bad in that case. Yeah, and I got to think that Damon Harriman, the guy who plays Dewey Crow, has given them so much more than they anticipated. That they, he's Australian. He's, did you know that? I did know that. I looked into him after uh, after season. I can't. I think it was after season three, two or three, two or three. I, I was just like, who who are playing some of these? I I because I the guy who played Devil popped up in the penultimate episode of the Newsroom, uh, playing kind of a oh, weird. Ken yeah, Kevin Rankin, and of course he's great the guy on. Gets around uh, everywhere. Yeah, he's great on. He's he's great on you Friday and I, Night Lights. You and I know he's, that very well. Oh yeah, well we we're we're uh, we're rank we're right. we're in the keep we're in going, the ranks. Keep going, keep going. We're in the ranks. We're we're part of it. Yeah, I don't think we want to talk about that too much, but uh, yeah, he's just uh, he's just an interesting dude, and I got a feeling that he gave them a lot more than they expected early on in season one, and when they got more out of him and his interactions with Raylan, his interactions with Raylan are always top notch. Raylan just wants no part of Dewey Crow, does not respect him, hates. Hates him, thinks he's an idiot. I don't just, think he hates him. I what think, about that pool? I mean, I, I think, that is such a dick move by Raylan Gibbons. Well, I don't know if it's hate. I think it's just that Raylan's a dick. Yeah, well, he doesn't necessarily treat everyone that way. Right. He really has a special place in his heart for Dewey Crow. Yeah, well, I mean, his first interaction with Dewey was not pleasant either. But I think that no. he just, you know, he looks at Dewey as just like the biggest idiot on the planet. Well, and he knows the Crow family from Florida. And so this is just yet another idiot branch of an idiot tree that he has no time for. Uh, and really, he sees as small potatoes and just somebody that's going to cause a problem. But I mean, think about the episode where we have the, uh, what was it, Dewey Crank, where the kidneys are gone. And yeah. Raylan is like, listen, Dewey, you're not, you know, he's really kind of sad for him and just kind of shaking his head the whole time. Yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe he doesn't fully hate him. But I don't know. I think he's just you mean so I have four kidneys. He's so sick of him yeah. by the time we get to this season that he, he shoots the pool up, ruins Dewey Crow's pathetic dream. Oh, that's like the saddest dream ever. It's so sad. It really is. But I, <laughs> I love Dewey this season. I think he's so funny. Yeah, he's great. I mean, it, he it, it's sad. He He's just a guy who... I don't know. He wanted, he just wants his money that he feels he's owed. And he probably was ripped off for, for, for freak's sake. You know what I mean? It sounds like, like he was ripped off. <laughs> it sounds like he was ripped off. Boyd was, Boyd was getting messer to skim for him right out of the thing. And I don't, Dewey would have never killed Wade. Like Dewey's not the kind of guy that would have done that, but his, his family pushed him into it and he felt like he had to do it. And he was having a very hard time of it. And Wade came at him and then Dewey shot, you know, but it, it's all just, he's not smart. He's sad. And, yeah, he's just stupid. I, the whole turtle dog stuff that goes on this season, and his family heirloom gator tooth necklace, and yeah. <laughs> all the like those are his prized possessions. He gives them to two whores who could care less, and it's so pathetic. He's so such a pathetic guy. Uh, and then just the way it all plays out with him over the course of this season, where when 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 Boyd has the audacity to wear a wire, uh, who who gets trapped by that? But poor Dewey Crow. Oh and Ray, yeah, he's like I killed Wade Messer. It's <laughs> just biting his fist the whole time. I'm like, oh, my God, really? Like, this is what we're going to get out of this wire is we're going to put Dewey Crow down for Wade Messer. I mean, that's fine. But he he wants bigger potatoes there. He wants to get the guy who got art. He doesn't care about that. So 
at any rate, it Dewey Crow is just a, such a pathetic guy. But I think that the, the as you said, the upshot the upshot is by having the crows play such a big part in season five, uh, what we get is a lot more Dewey Crow, and I don't think that's ever a bad thing. It kind of broke my heart that Dewey killed Wade. It was it was it's really sad because Wade is actually pretty good uh, as a character as well, played by James Lagrosse. Have we talked about this before? That James Lagrosse played Raylan Given once. No, we haven't. The, the guy who plays Wade Messer was Raylan Givens in, I think it was a TV movie version of, I'm trying to look it up real quick. Uh, let me see. I think, I think they did uh, a version of, of Riding the Rap or, or one, of the, one of the Raylan Givens movies. Uh, and yeah, so they, <laughs> it was the TV, the TV movie Pronto, which is based on the Elmer Leonard book. Uh, he, was, he was Raylan Givens, and so they were probably like, hey, that guy's great. Let's have him on the show, and he's just going to play this total dumb idiot, Wade Messer. Uh, it's, a, it's hard to imagine Wade Messer playing Raylan Givens, but there you go. Yeah, that's crazy. I ne- I never knew that. And yeah. that's uh that's really funny. And it it is also sad because we we talk about how things are sort of abrupt in this season and and Messer kind of biting it is definitely one of them because it's just not really in character for Dewey Crow. And the the guy Damon Harriman who plays him, he plays that really well where he's so conflicted about it. Uh, he he knows that that Messer did rob him and was doing it for Boyd. But if I know Boyd, Boyd probably didn't give Messer much of a choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and probably strong armed him into it, uh, or probably just silver tongued his way through that, and 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 used his words very well, and wordsmithed his way into that. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's 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 a really sad moment when Dewey ultimately does, well, quote unquote, kill him, right? Because there's no overt act he shoots him but then messer gets away then he finds him and he's about to end him and then the family pulls up on their the atv and uh you know gets dewey to leave with them and he just leaves messer to die it's really sad i mean I, as much as i love dewey crow and i'm a dewey crow apologist until the end of the world dewey crow straight up killed wade messer yeah he did i he, mean he gut shot him you know wade gets to stumble away for a while he catches up with him no he doesn't kill him there but the way that he leaves him behind gives him zero chance of survival it's sort of worse in that it, respect, it is, is worse. what i'm getting at yeah it's sort of worse in that respect than if he just pulled the trigger on him and said i'm really sorry but i have to do it <laughs> kind of like boy did with devil and and that that would have been understood and it would have been sad and it would have been pathetic because i mean messer like like many characters in this circumstance, he really thinks he's gotten out of it. He thinks he's just digging a hole looking for treasure. And, and he has so, so no idea that he's digging his own He's grave. got the worst shovel on the planet. Yes, it's sad. I mean, it's just he's so sad. And he's not quite as sad as Loretta's dad in that, you know, Loretta's dad was involved in criminal actions, Mr. McCready, and he knew what he was getting into. And he kind of brought about his own demise through his own activity. Messer is much in the same way. Uh, but it, it it's he's just pathetic in the same way because he was small time and strove to be a little bit bigger than that or strive to be a little bigger than that and ended up just he ended up dying like by omission, not commission. It's horrible. Like it's a really cold and heartless way to end somebody when they're screaming. He could have been saved. Like that's the worst part. Yeah, that really sucked. <laughs> that was really hard. Like Dewey uh, could have just hoofed it and let Messer kind of crawl away. Who knows what would have happened? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you can't you can't take any chances. You gotta no, you can't take any chances when yeah. you're a criminal. You got to tie up loose ends or, or do your best you can. No more half measures, Antonio. I I understand. I understand. Run. Uh, so so what should, what should we talk about next? Should we keep talking about the crows. Are you done talking about the crows? Do you like any of the crows other than Dewey? 
I'm a big fan of Alicia Witt. I don't know how you feel on that one, but I, I'm a yeah, fan. Yeah, I really of liked her. Wendy Crow. Yes, I'm I a like, fan I, of hers in I specific, was, and I think she did a really great job with what uh, what she was given in this season. Yeah, I loved I loved her story. I loved the Kendall Crow story. You know, shades of 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 uh, Loretta McCready, I guess, a little bit with this one, like the troubled kid, and Raylan has to bail the troubled kid out. Uh, so, you know, and I know that there's been lots of comparisons between the Crows and the Bennets. I think it's unfair because the Bennets just annihilate them every day of the week in terms of quality. Uh, but, you know, I, I know that those comparisons exist. Uh, I really liked the Kendall Crow storyline. I'm fascinated with the fact that apparently the Kendall Crow storyline was like it only came up because it had to. Uh, did, you, did you know about this? Eddie Gathagy, the actor who plays Jean-Baptiste. Uh, you know, the, yeah, the, he wanted off the show, the Haitian, he wanted off the show. He didn't want to be on the show anymore. Um, and so because of, of that, they kind of end up, uh, creating the Kendall storyline. So, so this is, this is something from another one of Graham Yost's interviews with entertainment weekly. Again, you guys need to be reading the Graham Yost Q and A's with entertainment weekly after every episode. Once season six kicks up, you got to go to EW.com. I can't believe I'm showing for a company. I don't you really are. Uh, but it's really great stuff. The, the Graham Yost interviews are so insightful into the process of how this show is made. Arguably too insightful. So, you know, proceed with some caution, but he's not going to spoil his show. But you could maybe string some things together. Anyway, uh, really good stuff. Uh, and he, he's talking about the scene where Danny Crow shoots Jean-Baptiste in front of Kendall. Uh, and the interviewer is saying, I did not see that coming. And Graham Yo says, nor did we. Yeah, here you go. Uh, and so this is the explanation. It's a little bit wordy, uh, so, so forgive me. Uh, the explanation is, so the Danny Kendall scene, we wanted to establish this thing that Danny's got, the idea of the 21-foot rule. You can look it up online. The idea is supposedly that within 21 feet, a guy with a knife can beat a guy with a gun if the gun is holstered. If the knifer takes the initiative and starts running as he's pulling the knife while the other guy's trying to pull his gun, the knifer can win. That came up early in the writer's room this past summer and was one of the things that we decided to give to Danny from the beginning of the season. Then we wanted to see him torment Kendall with it. Uh, and then the interviewer asks, and what about the idea for Danny to shoot Jean-Baptiste? And Gramio says, listen, we make our best efforts early on in the season as we hire actors to come on the show, and we can't always guarantee them what they're going to be doing or where it's going to go. Getting Eddie Gathagy was a big get for us, but the character just wasn't panning out for him. He didn't see where it was going, and even though we were thinking that Jean-Baptiste would survive until toward the end of the season, Eddie wasn't enjoying the journey. We had no contract to hold him on, so he said, well, let's just kill off Jean-Baptiste in episode five. We weren't sure how we were going to do it. And then we watched the scene between Jean-Baptiste and Danny, and it became clear that there was such animosity there that, man, it could work. So the scene got adjusted to play it this way. What we found from that, which you'll see in subsequent episodes, is that it gave us a lot. It established Danny's close to psychopathology and his really bad judgment, and it also was something that happened in front of Kendall. Kendall's known that he's living in a crime family, but I don't know what truly bad stuff he's seen. You'll see in subsequent episodes the effect that this had on him and really how that propels us toward the end of the season. So that's, that's the interview. And so, so everything with Kendall, you know, really hating the crows and really hating his family and wanting to run away, you know, you know, running to, to Allison's to the, to the social worker's house, because he's so over this, he's done, you know, he kills, he kills the dog by accident. He kills Danny's dog by accident. He knows that if he sticks around, he's, he could get killed. He's seen it with his eyes. Yeah. Uh, so just this, this one little thing that, that Jean Baptiste could no longer be on the show sets up this whole Kendall, this whole Kendall Crow storyline for the rest of the season. I think, uh, I think that's that's such an interesting way that this show works. Just the flexibility in the storytelling is kind of marvelous to me. 
Well, and, and part of that is because their bench is so deep, right? They have so many different uh, well-playing characters, even in smaller roles, and they have done service to a lot of them throughout the course. So you can pull in someone like Wade Messer, uh, who's maybe only appeared on five or six episodes up to the point. And then he, he has instant emotional appeal uh, because of memorable moments that you've served with that character. Uh, there, It's just really kind of a rotating like rogues gallery uh, on a lot of levels. I mean, I really liked in the, in the wrong row, episode when uh which by the way was one of my favorites of the season when uh when the the eric Eric roberts episode when the eric roberts character and raylan walk in and it's this huge meetup with all the people that you've got there you've got the the harris brothers you've got boyd and and you've got win and i think you've got picker and daryl crow and all these and they're talking about is this a herd a gaggle or a flock and he said this is the united nations of a-holes like yes (laughs) it's really really good because it 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 is there's just so there's so there's so much depth. I mean, you've got people like Dave Foley popping up for one episode. Will it's just Sasso like this, is in there Will Sasso is in there. Yeah. Like you've got really it's Alan a deep bench. for like this really random assassin role. Yeah. that And that's he's he's sort of terrifying in a lot of ways. It's like vampire pale. It was really yeah, creepy with his eyes. It didn't. He was really good. Like it. The, like I said, the show is cast so well. Uh, and they they give even minor characters a lot of memorable moments, uh, and it's in, in the in keeping with the Elmore Leonard you know kind of way of being is that these villains are memorable. They're not strictly just like one dimensional, or if they are, uh, there's something unique about them. Whether it's um, Jay and Roscoe talking about King Lear in that moment in that scene, uh, or whether it's just Boyd Crowder uh, listening to emo type music or or quoting like. Uh, French nihilists or things that he does that it's so in keeping with his character. There's always a little bit of an interesting twist to these guys. And as such, I think when called on, they have such a deep bench that they can bring people in and, and really work with them. And it's interesting to me in the moment that you're talking about a season five where they, they call an audible and they decide that they're going to have the Kendall Crow storyline and they haven't done a ton with Kendall Crow. Uh, and they they've made Wendy sort of this paralegal who's who handles her family's many legal affairs, but she's, She's very direct and kind of on top of things, and she has a way of being, but she portrays so much more frailty uh, and weakness, and uh, there's a lot more to her that comes out of the storyline. So even in the moment where they where they had not shown that, they call an audible, they're able to bring that to the table because you expect that from the show. You expect characters who are going to have a lot more depth to them. So uh, it's totally in keeping with what they've done in previous series. I think Alicia Witt really knocked it out of the park. You say it's similar to the Loretta storyline, and that's true. However, I like that as a running motif for Raylan. Sure. I like that Raylan as a juvenile kid himself who grew up in a criminal family had a choice and made the choice that he made. And he wants these people to realize that they don't have to be like their, the, the other people that have influenced them. Loretta, you don't have to be who you are. And I, I, by the way, I also love the episode this season with Loretta, even though it's sort of a, it's sort of a one-off and, and it tells a kind of, you know, solo story with Raylan. And it's a story of the week type of thing. I love when Loretta comes up and I love that she's got the drop on Raylan and is a couple steps ahead of him. Yeah, that was good. That was real good. Yeah. No, I, so, I like, I like that motif as well. I, I like this idea of, of Raylan looking out for these kids, you know, almost more than he's looking out for his own. I, yeah. I, think it's I, I was just going to say that. Like, yeah, he's paying more attention to Kendall Crow in some respects than he is his own, his own it, child. It really, every, every respect. Yeah. Uh, except for Skype. I don't think he ever Skyped with Kendall. No, but he should have. He probably, well, that would have been a little weird, but yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah I really, I really like that. I really like that aspect of the Crow storyline, and I, I don't mind that it it gets a little, um, it gets a little bit uh, 
far afield with the social work with Amy Smart and with uh, I like with her. Wendy getting involved. I like I like her too. It's just that doesn't seem very central to things that are going on. But it's it's good in that Raylan also is somewhat unmoored. I think he's really caught up. And at the beginning of the season, we find him riding like squatting in like a mansion <laughs> that was he, awesome yeah that's what he wants he's in george mason from 24's mansion oh, yes i loved that that was so fun yeah and and he's he's just wants it to be his kind of like uh his bachelor pad with the bowling alley and the koi pond and he's driving the car around and he's just kind of for a guy who was living above a bar recently it's the polar opposite of that yeah yeah i like that quite a bit i thought that was good so I like that that comes into play. I like that he seemed to be sensitive with Amy Smart, who was clearly having a lot of problems at work and was taking so much of her job on Amy herself. Amy Smart or Amy Smart's character? Amy Smart's, well, Amy Smart's Amy character. Amy Smart was having some trouble, let me tell you. Yes, she was really having trouble on the set of Justified. Yeah, I. this is a lie. We have no idea if this is true. I can't believe the koi in the pond are fake. I demanded real koi. <laughs> real koi. Why isn't this real weed? Why isn't this I real? I demanded yeah. real weed. This is in my writer. I wanted the real McCoy and I wanted real weed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I there's a lot of that stuff that's at the beginning of season five that doesn't feel as related to the rest of season five. But it is important for the characters. I think I, the Boyd storyline with Paxson is part of that, too. It's wrapped up in three or four episodes and then he moves on to other things. Yeah. But you know what? I got to say this and maybe this is controversial is I, I think that, you know, what what Boyd does with Paxton uh, and everything going on there and with Mooney and, and how, how all of this is sort of his bid to get Ava out of jail and it fails. I feel like that's a lot more central to Boyd's journey throughout season five than maybe, I don't know, the, the whole church storyline at the beginning of season four to, to Boyd's journey. I feel like that feels a lot more like an isolated incident than the, the Lee Paxton stuff with Boyd in season five. I kind of think the standalones of season five are a lot stronger than the standalones of season four. I think season four is the stronger season because the good stuff is so freaking good. But I think, I don't know, you tell me, I feel like, I feel like the one-offs in season five are a little bit stronger. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Like, I really I mean, did got, like the, the Loretta one. We've got Jay and Roscoe in, in season five. We've, yep. got, we've got the Loretta episode in season five. We don't have any of the chicken man. No, we don't no, have we any don't, of the chicken man. We don't have Jody, the porn star. No, we don't have the porn star. You that know, there's, is, you, there's none of that distraction. I think that it, I kind of think this is a more focused season in a lot of ways. I think when season four really does focus in on the Drew Thompson mystery, it's really tight, but it takes a while to get there and it ends a little early. Whereas I think that season five, it kind of feels more cohesive to me. Yeah, I, and I think that's true. And I, like I said, I like that the the stuff with Paxton, and specifically the stuff with Paxton's erstwhile widow, uh, if you will, she ultimately is his widow, uh, and 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 how that relates to Boyd. I do think that that serves ultimately to show how he was a little bit derailed from Ava, uh, and and not. I mean, it was about Ava, but he really kind of lost himself in all that because he st- it, it it became about saving his skin on some level. Uh, because he messed up, right? Because he was trying to shake down Paxton in order to get what he wanted for Ava. He made financial offers. Paxton made him so mad that he beat Paxton up. But he, in 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 the in his moments, he didn't check to see if Paxton was dead. He didn't make sure the widow was silenced. He put himself in a position where Mooney really could have gotten the drop on him. Uh, and then for whatever reason, the widow chose not to. The wife chose not to put Raylan down and finger him uh, for the crime in that moment in the bar. She wanted the money. 
She wanted the money, my wife. My wife. But but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what happened. That's that is true. But but yeah, I think that he was still. I think he lost himself there in a lot of ways, and I think that was all. It was okay. I just think that ultimately, because Ava was going to end up in the state pen anyway, it was sort of just this. A lot was going on, but it ultimately didn't really lead to anything other than Boyd getting very frustrated repeatedly with multiple twists and turns in that storyline, uh, and I think that led to him. That led to him really needing money uh, and really the importance of the heroin and everything that he was trying to do because he paid that guy's family off over time to uh to to kill mooney but i just think it he really didn't progress much and it was sort of like okay i screwed up now how many episodes is it going to take for me to to fix this right uh and that felt like okay this is not his ultimate story of the season to the extent that he, he was being distracted by that uh even though it was ultimately initially about ava to the extent he was distracted by that and wasn't spending time with ava i do think that's important to show how they could drift apart yeah uh Let's let's hop around a little bit. What do you think of the whole Mexico storyline, Antonio? Did you like that? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, on some level, I did like. I think that's one of the ones where I'll give a thumbs down. Yeah, I, on some level, I like the stuff that Boyd is directly involved in. So I like his kind of negotiations with Mr. Yoon originally uh, and when that's all being talked about. Because Mr. Yoon, uh, to to a certain extent, seems to be the, the kind of man that Boyd Crowder is. He's, he's very... He's very loquacious and he's very well-spoken. Uh, he has very specific ways he wants to do business. They seem like natural business partners. I he's like a, he, that. He's a hero. And yeah, he's a real hero. He's a real ando. Yes, in, in many ways. I think you're right about that. It's a hero's reference. Uh, yeah, I understand. I understand. He uh, he plays great, it so different. Like the hit superhero show that was on uh, for several I'm years. familiar with Hiro Nakamura. Is that his name? That's this isn't Hiro Nakamura, but I understand that he's funny. the little he's the little guy with the glasses who yeah, time he would root for. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know. I just I I don't, but I didn't really. I, I got it, I got it. It's got coming it. back this later this year. Will Ando will Ando be on it? Probably not. I I honestly I freaking hope not. Anyway, what's that? Will, 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 will Hornrim glasses be on? Uh, it? Yeah, actually, he's gonna be there. Yeah, That's he's, he, he signed up. He's got, he's got nothing, nothing else going on. Any, anybody else? Anybody else? So far, that's it right now. Oh, Zachary Levy from uh, Chuck. Is, from Chuck, but is he wasn't on the original. Heroes. No, he's new casting. See, I stopped watching that somewhere around the writer's strike. I think that I heard it. Good call. Okay. Yeah, moving sorry. On, moving on. We're not going to do a Heroes rewatch. Is that what you're saying? I'm not necessarily saying that. Oh, so we might do a Heroes rewatch. Oh, boy. We'll see. We'll talk about that. I'm excited. I, I, this is the thing. I think that uh, Mr. Yoon... Um, is is a lot like Boyd Crowder, and I think that here Boyd is Boyd is heroic in some respects. So you can make that comparison, sure. But uh, but yeah, I so I like the stuff with Mister Yoon. I like the stuff with Boyd, but all the the twists and turns with <coughs> the crows and this guy getting the drop on this guy and the federales and all that. I don't know. It just seems like it's spinning wheels for what ultimately is kind of like uh, there. It's like waiting for Godot. It's like oh, when's, waiting for good dope is what it is. Good dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's like, when's the dope coming in? Oh, well, this is the dope's almost here. Oh, this is half the dope. Where's the other half of the dope? Where Aileen Lincoln? It's like on and on and on with right. the dope, the dope, the dope, the dope. And I, what I, what I appreciate most about that is that through it all, at the end of it, when Raylan is sitting down with Mary Steenburgen and Win Duffy, he's like, you know what? Heroin's not for me. 
Like, I don't want any part of it anymore. And it's like it took him from Detroit to Mexico to Harlan County to realize that there's a lot involved with smuggling, importing, getting everything set up. And there's a lot of bodies. There are there's a lot of things that he doesn't want any part of. So I, I appreciate at least that aspect of it. And uh, I think that's another, a lot of time for him to realize that. I think that's another aspect of, of season five being a chess piece season because there's, you know, in that same scene you're talking about right now, uh, Catherine Hale, played by Mary Steenburgen, who's what a great addition to Justified. I'm so thrilled to have her here. I would only be happier if Ted Danson was along for the ride. Uh, but, but I, but, 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 but I'm not sure if sarcasm or serious. No, I'm serious. I would be very into <laughs> Ted Danson being on Justified. Uh, but I, I really like the line that she says where, where she says to him, like, uh, well, you were shit at heroin, but I hear you're real good at robbing banks. Uh, and that's where we leave Boyd. Uh, so I feel like, you know, as much as this is like chess piece, you know, moving around, uh, getting getting people ready for the big Raylan and Boyd confrontation of season six, I think it's also getting Boyd a little bit back to basics where we first met him, where that really is his thing. You know, he's the robber. That's his, that's his game. And he's been angling at being like this drug kingpin and being this total mastermind of all of the crime in Harlan. And I think this is, it's a better speed for him in terms of like what he's good at. I think it's also a really good speed for him as a character for, for us as viewers. So really pumped that we're see, we're about to see some bank robber Boyd. Yeah, I agree. And, and what I know about Boyd Crowder is that he may not be satisfied with playing just a kind of a foot soldier bank robber type role in this operation. He, he may want something bigger and we'll see where it plays out and we'll see if he ends up wanting something bigger, sticks his neck out, but he's probably not going to be satisfied very long with playing the Daryl Crow to Boyd Crowder type role uh, to Mary Steenburgen and Wynn Duffy. I, I just don't, I don't see him being that satisfied ultimately reporting to them and doing their dirty work. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but I, I, I can see some potential friction developing there because he's as smart as anybody. He certainly, he certainly got the drop on them in that hotel room. Uh, and he's certainly able to, to maneuver his way around. I, I, I did like with Mary Steenburgen how they sort of built her up when Boyd first meets her and realizes who she is. He's vociferous in his praise and very happy that she's around and very interested. But they, the knock on her seems to be that a lot of people credit the success of what was going on uh, while her husband was in charge to her husband and not to her. And I think we'll see exactly who was Lady Macbeth and, and, and who was Macbeth and how that was playing out uh, throughout the course of season six and i'm i'm definitely looking forward to that all right well while we're talking about her uh while we're talking about Catherine hale i just want to talk we already mentioned it but i just feel like just like one eulogy for picker and what i think has to be one of the best deaths of justified up to this point i agree is boyd chucking uh you know an explosive pack of cigarettes at him those things will kill you, Josh. Uh, cigarettes will kill you, literally, in this case. That was Surgeon, crazy. Surgeon General's warning. That was so good. Boyd's always thinking. Always yeah. thinking. <laughs> well, and you give Boyd the opportunity to use a little Emulex. He's, uh, he's a pretty dangerous man. Yeah, and honestly, I, I feel like it was a reminder, too. The, the more and more I think about it, I, I'm thinking a lot about, like, um, you know, we always talk about Chekhov's insert thing here. You know, it's like Chekhov's, uh, you know, 
apple pie is is how Mags Bennett is going to go down. She introduces it in the first episode she's in. She goes out by suicide by drinking her own, you know, poisoned apple pie. Uh, Chekhov's gun up the sleeve with with quarrels. We all saw how that played out. I think even this season, you could probably say Chekhov's fratricide uh, with with the with the crows killing one of their own. You know, with Danny killing Dilly is kind of foreshadowing that a crow is going to kill Daryl Crow at the end. I really do think the more and more, and just just seeing this explosive cigarette thing really reminded me of 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 uh, Boyd's fondness, his affinity for explosives, fire in the hole being the name of the of the short story that inspires Justified. If I if I'm gonna make a prediction for season six, I think I think Boyd's going out in a in a hail of uh, explosions of explosions. I, I really do think so. I think something involving explosions is gonna bring about his downfall, whether literally gonna kill him off or it's gonna be the factor in in bringing him into into justice. I don't know, but I'm I'm feeling more and more convinced that pattern is really very much there on this show. Yeah, and and I think it would. I mean, I, first of all, I think that's a stellar prediction, and I think that that's uh, that's something that if it doesn't happen, I think we can look back and say the door was there for that to happen. Not to say that whatever they've got planned out. Uh, is oh no, I'm sure whatever they've poorly. got planned is better than any fan fiction I could. Come that's exactly right, yeah. fan fiction. Yeah. But what I would say is that uh, is that if I were to put my own twist on that. I would say it wouldn't shock me to see that sort of thing happen uh, with Boyd in in somewhat of a heroic role uh, in that maybe whatever the explosion is, he's saving Ava or he's saving Raylan uh, or he's saving someone uh, at his own expense ultimately. Uh, And that's his, that's his, that's his ultimate arc is that, you know, he opened the series with explosions for negative purpose. Uh, Maybe he'll end it with an explosion for a positive one. And if that's what takes him out, that's what takes him out. That'd be great. Big fan of that. Like that a lot. Uh, Another thing that I'm a big fan of and I like a lot is Art this season. Uh, Can we talk about Art's best day ever? Is that his best day ever? He loved that day. It was his favorite day until like the night. You know, the final thing at the end of the day. Why did Raylan have to pick that day? I know. It was up until that moment his best He's day. He's a dick. Ever. Raylan Givens is a dick. He really is. But I I mean, Art going up, up against Alan Tudyuk's character in like the diner and outside the diner and then the big shootout and he's the guy who finds Theo Tonin. That was so wonderful. So, yeah. so great to see Art get this huge win at the end of his career. Yeah. And, and it really – it. So much of it was was interesting. Like I love when he's in the diner and he gives the Raylan Givens speech and he recognizes that he's given the Raylan Givens speech. Yeah. And he says it later, like, what was I doing talking to him like I was you, you know, just like giving him that speech. And of course, in keeping with the Nick Searcy, the actor who plays Art, uh, he's a a right winger. I think uh, Art is listening to some Rush Limbaugh in the car. So I thought that was a nice little character note, like just to connect him a little bit to the actor who plays him. That whole whole episode had a lot of great (laughs) art moments in it. Uh, He tells him, he tells Alan, I'm going to take your picture, smile for the camera. Like all of that is really, really good. And, And it's just... Raylan just can't let it go. Yeah. He just, he, he feels like, you know what? I, I think Raylan's really guilty of it. Obviously he's really guilty about it. Yeah. So what do, what do you think of that move on, on Raylan's part to, you know, not, not just to tell him that he was involved in the Nikki Augustine thing when he tells him, but just the idea that like he can't contain it anymore. Yeah. It makes some sense to me. I mean, I feel like that is, that is in keeping with Raylan, not, not because, 
he's upset that it happened per se, but I think that he's upset with, uh, he's, he's self-destructive, you know, Raylan. and that's what we know about Raylan yeah. Gibbons. And so I think he's upset with ultimately that he got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I shouldn't have done that and I shouldn't get away with it. It shouldn't be pinned on Barkley. And even though he's self-preservation with picker and, and he goes in and kind of, he, he kind of menaces him so that picker won't ultimately finger Raylan for the crime. Uh, when when he's in the office there and and they're talking about how it was Barkley, Raylan realizes I think the the ultimate injustice in that getting pinned on somebody else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it, it's it's really good, I think, because it it you know it creates this huge enormous divide between Raylan and Art for the rest of the season that really gets compounded with you know Art giving him the silent treatment, giving him the the terrible job of having to work the mo- the early morning shift and all of this stuff. And then Art gets shot uh, and Art is like on life support. No one knows what's going to happen to Art. It, he could, you know, he could die in a second. Like he's not doing well. He could come out of it or he could go all the way to the other side. Uh, and it gives it gives us it gives the show this really I thought a really kind of beautiful opportunity to explore like the other side of like the, the other way that the Arlo thing could have played out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk and I think totally fair about how Art is the father that that Raylan wishes he had. You know, he's the guy that he looks up to. He respects him. He likes him a lot. They get along. He hates disappointing him. He's really disappointed him this time. And now he's on, you know, he's at death's door. And Raylan now has this new opportunity to to actually do something good toward, you know, the father figure that could be about to leave rather than just have these nasty lingering feelings uh, toward toward his father the way that Arlo went out. And then I guess the flip side of that is like the fear. It's kind of palpable, the fear that that Art could go and Raylan will have left things the way that he did. Uh, yeah. so, so I think I think that the way that storyline played out, um, I I thought was really actually pretty spectacular. I agree. And I do think on some level that Raylan is very, he doesn't like walking around thinking that art might know, but art is not saying anything. He doesn't, I don't think he likes corrupting art in that way because art is kind of, he doesn't know what art does know because art kind of disappeared and went to Detroit and Raylan's very questiony about that. Like, where's art? Why did he go to Detroit? When did he do that? And he knows that by art, not telling him that he's definitely keeping something from Raylan. Raylan doesn't know how much. And so I think Raylan just wants to put his cards on the table uh, and say like, Hey, look, this is what it is. I don't think, Raylan likes thinking that art might know and, and isn't saying something and is corrupted by that or is covering up for him. That's not who art is. So on his best day, when he's been an agent, he's done all the best things he possibly could and had a huge win. I don't think he wants to think that maybe he's keeping something back to protect Raylan and corrupt him like that. Uh, and I think he wants to confirm Art's suspicions to the extent they're just suspicions, because I think he wants art to have that win too. Uh, and there's a lot wrapped up in that. I also think Raylan is self-destructive. And I also do think that he feels guilty about it on some level. Uh, It's clearly eating at him. It's clearly something that he's interested in trying to keep quiet, but knowing that he probably can't. And so all of that feels real, you know, really earned to me uh, that it happens. I really love the scene at the beginning of the next episode where Art's in a bar and Raylan shows up and he just decks him. And that's that. Yeah. And And he hurts his hand and everything. Yeah. There's some of the agents like, did you fall in Art's shower too? Is that how you got a black guy? Because that's how Art hurt his hand. Remember? Like, oh, that's really, really good. And I and I, I do like that. I I think it's interesting that you uh, you you were talking about um, 
the just just the generally speaking kind of the relationship between art and Raylan and, and where that ends up. Uh, I think that it that when Raylan. The reason in my mind, the reason why Art gets shot is because Art didn't trust Raylan to handle the task of going to the to Amy Smart's house to take care of her in that yeah. regard. Art's like, I'll do it myself. And Raylan gets the guilt trip from Art's wife in the car. She doesn't even know yeah. uh, why. She's just like, why weren't you there? Like, why weren't you there? No, that's because the chief deputy marshal of the entire state of Kentucky or whatever, the chief deputy uh, there's only one U.S. Marshal in the state, right? And he's the chief deputy. Art decides he's going to go slum it with Raylan's ex-girlfriend that she may not even be in danger because he doesn't trust Raylan to do it. Yeah. And that's rough because that means that Art is the one who took that bullet. And it, that's really underscored by Kendall's story where – which granted is trumped up. But Kendall's like, I just saw a badge on a belt and I thought, you know, maybe this guy's coming at me like they just came at my brother and put and killed him like a dog. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that should have been Raylan. Like, yeah. it, you know – to the extent that anyone believed it was, it should have been. And I think that's all really tough for Raylan to deal with. I think the scene with Art uh, in the hospital where Art's wife leaves them alone and uh, Nick Cersei's doing a great kind of like I'm really sick voice. And he tells Raylan like, oh, you, your transfer was approved. You can leave now. And and that was all. He's like, I didn't want to disturb your vacation, you know. Right. And that's such a dig because during his vacation, Raylan did nothing but work and do horrible like non-work things. Uh, that are involved. He didn't get to Florida. He could have been in Florida by now, but he wasn't because he was chasing down Kendall Crow and he was dealing with Uncle Jack and all of that stuff that was happening. So little does does Art know, or maybe Art knows fully that that would have been a perfect time to tell Raylan, and he just didn't because Raylan doesn't take a day off. No, not so, really. <laughs> what did you? How did you feel about the caller number seven stuff? Call not number- the not the episode itself where Raylan shakes down the kid with one leg and uh, kind of comes to respect oh, him. Oh, you know what? That's that's the one one off I didn't like so much. But, but we're we're to assume that Raylan. I don't know what we're to assume in that in that episode. I'm a little lost by that, and I I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So let me set it up. The 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 episode right is that. Some guy comes in complaining he's a walk-in and Raylan's on shit duty. He comes in complaining that the FBI shut down some gambling website that he has a bunch of money in. Right. And it was being run by that mob accountant, uh, the the guy from 24, George Mason from 24. It was being run by him. And and the marshals is spelled wrong on the shutdown site. So Raylan knows it's a scam. They uncover this young computer hacker who lost his leg to cancer. He he escapes from Raylan, and Raylan is very impressed by his escape because he's very, got one leg. That was very funny. He runs through the apartment. He jumps out the window, slides on the fire escape, and puts his leg back on and runs away. And Raylan's like, "Wow, impressive!" And so I think Raylan's a little bit impressed by this kid. Raylan ultimately catches him, and he asks the kid, "Like, how'd you get all this stuff in your apartment?" The kid's like, "Oh, I know how to." <laughs> freak phones or whatever i i you know i'm caller number seven every time a radio station needs caller number seven you know i that's me you know i know how to game that system yeah and Raylan comes back to the office and says he can go on a vacation because he's got a bunch of money from being caller number seven and the kid has proposed like i can show you that in exchange for you putting in a good word for me and so our, i guess we assume that that's what happened so Raylan let the guy offer tips on how to do the caller number seven. And then did it himself and got a bunch of money out of it. I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that hard just because the episode wasn't super interesting to me, but I hope that's the case because that's great. I, 
I mean, I think it is like, I, I do think that in Ray, ultimately what Raylan does with that money is he gives it to Kendall Crow. Uh, and he says, you know, this doesn't have to be your life. You can, you don't tell anyone you have this, you can hide it away and maybe you can make a getaway when you need to. And he was supposed to take that money and go to vac- go on vacation with Amy Smart, his lack of attention to that and his lack of real desire to do it. And probably the fact that he proposed it at all is kind of weird. He bought her a bikini and he wants her to, you know, be down there in Florida while he visits his kid. She breaks up with him. That all is very Raylan Givens, but it struck me as interesting that he, here's a guy who he did this thing where he walked away from a murder uh, at the end of the, at, at the end of season four. And now he's just like illegally obtaining money, like through phone freaking on radio contests. I don't know, man. He's, I don't know. He's broken bad. Yeah. He's a little bit like he's, you talk about coming unmoored like, like Boyd did when Ava went to jail. I, I think Raylan's definitely unmoored without Winona in the picture. Yeah, and what what about Winona? Winona's only in two episodes this season. They've really, uh, they really downplay the whole Winona thing. I guess I, yeah, I didn't I, realize how quickly she really fades out of the picture. You know, in season season three, she's out of it pretty fast, and she really hasn't been back much. I don't know about first position, second position TV parlance, but I my assumption is that because of what you said, she was locked up by the following, so she really wasn't available. Yeah, so they could just they can only use her where they can, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's a bummer. She's such a good character. It's such a shame that we're not getting a lot of Winona. Well, it's it's and it's really kind of uh, it's really kind of important for Raylan. I mean, I just she, there's an episode where Raylan goes to Miami and should visit his kid I and know. doesn't, and then he doesn't even tell her that he went. Yeah. It's horrible. And he's partnered up with Champ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Champ Kind. Yeah. That was great. Whammy. Whammy. Yeah. That was pretty fun. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're just they're great guest stars in this show. Do you want to talk about Eric Roberts at all? Because I know you really liked Eric Roberts being on Justified the Season. Yeah. I, I loved him as a one off. I really like this sort of. <clears throat> he's not play by the books agent. He does things his own way. This is a agent Miller. I believe his name is that Eric Roberts plays in. he's in Memphis and he's sort of connected to hot rod Dunham and the kind of crime in Memphis. And that's why Raylan is there. Uh, and he doesn't want any part of Raylan. He's drinking on the job repeatedly. He seems to me to be the kind of guy that, that could be, that's what Raylan could be if he lives. And if he ends up, you know, playing out his days as a U.S. Marshal, like we could see Raylan Givens being like agent Miller because that's, that's exactly what, what Graham Yost says of him in another one of these, these EW interviews, uh, they, they talk about how, how did they cast Eric Roberts on the show? Uh, they'd, he'd, he was a fan of the show. He wanted to be on the show for a while. And so Graham Yost says, we've been looking from early in the season for what would be a good thing to try to get him to do. And just the idea of him being the ghost of Raylan future was something that appealed to us. So that's in their mind as well. This is the it, ghost of Raylan future. And it's written right into it, right? When he tells Raylan, like, why'd you do something stupid, like have kids or whatever he said. Right. And then he finds out, Raylan finds out that he had kids and, and Raylan's like, oh, so wait a minute. That's why you said it was a mistake. Like, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Like he's Raylan plus 15 or Raylan plus 20 or whatever. And, and that, I think it actually plays really well. I don't think it's a, it's, it's a kind of one-off episode that is connected enough to the main story that it plays. Uh, it features the death of Hot Rod Dunham, who's been a recurring character that's popped up. Hot Rod. R.I.P. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, and it's it's uh, kind of a, a, a very poignant death. Uh, he clearly had a good relationship with the Eric Roberts character. He says, do you have the flask? 
you know, because he knows that he carries a flask around and he gets a one last tip from it. And uh, Miller's very upset about it. And that, that all, that all is, I think that's a really good episode. I really like that episode. Yeah. That's another one where, where Yost is saying that the Miller hot rod relationship, it's supposed to mirror uh, Raylan and Boyd to a degree, this, you know, this, this kind of uh, thin camaraderie between, you know, these two guys on opposite sides of the law. It was, yeah. it was sad to see hot rod go, but I think he kind of had to. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I, what I really like is that the, it, it's heroin. I mean that he, it, he didn't want any part of it. He didn't want to get involved with people that were doing it. He didn't want to get involved with that game at all. Raylan tries to bring him in. He sort of refuses it. Uh, and, but he gets involved with cousin Johnny in that kind of game that's being played there. And it's his ultimate undoing, uh, in that respect. I mean, it's a little bit attenuated, but I think that it's, I, I think it's, all part of that story where dope is just really dirty uh, and really is a lot different than running, running weed, which hot rod Dunham was famous for uh, anything else about season five before we start uh, wrapping up and, and talking a little bit about what's ahead in season six. Well, I, I, there's only one thing I want to set up and we didn't go over it a ton here, but what about the episode with, with Loretta? Yeah, it was a very, it was very good. I, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, it didn't really amount to too much this season. I, I really hope we see Loretta in the final season. And that's why I wanted to talk about it because she sort of is this character who we've seen the arc play out with her and Raylan, where first Raylan felt bad for her and he says, I might've kicked a hornet's nest last night, but you know, if you ever need me, here's my number. She does call him to, to kind of save her. He does save her to an extent, but she finds out about what happened with her dad and everything. And that's, that's that episode. And then we see her again after that and she find out that she's got the money. And, uh, and the way that plays out is she's a little bit of a, a criminal and she's not selling, you know, everything that's horrible, but she's not exactly in the best position. And Raylan recognizes that and Raylan's like, well, as long as you don't, uh, what is a higher ACDC to play your birthday party or whatever he says to her. Yeah, that's fine. She's yeah. like, do I look like an ACDC right. fan? Whatever it is. And so that's all good. They leave on good terms. And then this season, what happens is she has a boyfriend and she is clearly taking about four or five steps down the road in terms of her criminal enterprise. And she's absolutely selling drugs. She's been put in jail uh, for selling drugs to a police officer's kid. Right. And when Raylan meets the boyfriend out there. Um, he thinks the boyfriend is the bad influence and what the stunning realization that he gets throughout the course of the episode is, is that Loretta's the bad influence. Yeah. She's got a little bit of mags in her. She's got a little bit of mags in her. And even though she only spent a little bit of time with her, she's an honorary Bennett and she's behaving like one. And I think that's a little tough for Raylan to swallow. Raylan, I think he doesn't realize it until the end of the episode, but when he realizes it, he's in a, it's a little bit of a gut punch for him to realize shit. Loretta was the one, like it's a little bit of a, you know, primal fear or usual suspects type moment where it's like, wow, like I, I was, I was, I misread this all along and she moved the money. So her boyfriend wouldn't know where it was. And he almost got killed because of that. I think it's interesting to have Raylan be the disappointed father for once too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That you is know, Cause he's That's always, great. he's always the disappointing son. And, and in this instance, in this instance, he's, you know, he's, he looks at her probably in, in that kind of way, you know, he's got, he's got paternal affection for her. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. And like for, to, to have her be the one who's effed up, he's kind of like, ah, oh, that sucks, you know, and he's got to deal with that for the first time. And I wonder if that, you know, does anything to kind of help him take a hard look at what he's done and, and you know, what he's done in, in Art's eyes, even if Art doesn't know it yet. 
Yeah, and that that to me is is why I wanted to I wanted to hit that before we talked about uh, setting up season six because we also had a question from Brendan Fitzpatrick about what minor characters or one off characters do we hope pop up in season six and I kind of jotted down a few what about questions and and I wanted to know if we're tying up loose ends of season six is the end you know one of the questions we talked about this already I wanted to know what about Winona we'll have to see where that plays out that's obviously a major part of Raylan's story is he is he going to get transferred to Florida. She was so happy to hear it was going to happen. And now he's thrown a roadblock into this mix. When they told him uh, that they wanted him for Boyd Crowder, he's ready to jump on board and run, run Ava ultimately. And so that's, that's tough because he's left, he's left Winona in the lurch and when's that all going to happen and how's that going to play out? But what about Loretta's another question that I had uh, for season six? I don't know. What do you think about where we could see that go? If we're going to get Loretta again, what the next move to that could be or how that could tie in. I don't, I don't know. Do you have any expectations? I have no expectations for it other than I really do think we got to see her again because she she has become a central character to the to the lore of of Raylan Givens and Harlan and Justified I think I think we got to see Loretta again just one more like note on that on that journey I don't think that you know leaving her uh, in in you know behind bars as a as a pot as a pot dealer or outing her as a pot dealer that seems like a really depressing way to end the Loretta story but I mean I guess there would be some sort of uh, poetry to that. If if that is where they want to leave it, but I I, I feel like there's got to be one more shoe to drop at least. If, I agree, if, but if, if not, like a greater role for her in in season six. As I'm thinking about that, I feel like the shoe that will drop is her continuing to progress down the line. Yeah, it's very possible. Negativity, right? It's very so possible. He may have to. He may have to put her in jail or she may end up being a fugitive that he tracks down. There's a lot of possibilities there uh, that don't all, that, that none of them are really happy ones that, that pop up in my mind right away. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that plays out. Speaking of major characters in the Raylan Givens lore, we didn't hit this when we were just talking about season five, but we had a Dickie Bennett appearance. Oh yeah. I loved the Dickie Bennett appearance this <laughs> season. It was so perfect. It was yeah. perfect. It was, it's such a great, like, if and he as, exists as, in as this much, universe, as this much, is how he would pop up. As much as I would love to see him back for season six, I would also be totally okay if that was the Dickie Bennett ending. Yeah. You know, I, 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 so I very selfishly want to see Dickie Bennett again, but I'm also totally okay with him just being like this crazy kook in the wheelchair who just gave Raylan the finger uh, and told him exactly where to put Raylan's finger, in fact. Yeah, we're on the same team. And and that that is... Uh, you and Dickie in terms of like where to put the finger or you and I in terms of Dickie? We're on the same finger wheelchair finger team. Like it's it's not wheelchair basketball's played out. It's not wheelchair finger. Wheelchair finger team. Now you're just trying to make the hashtag. <laughs> I am. I'm not. He shows Are up you in just a wheelchair. Actively, you're like hashtag baiting me. I'm not. No, there's no hash baiting going on. That's what Loretta does. Oh God, you're so smart. You're so quick. So <laughs> it's a compliment in some rooms of my house and not in others. I, the, I, uh, it was a compliment for me, Antonio. Well, we're, yeah, I am. Uh, that's fine. I'll, I'll take not it. I'll make, take it from you, Josh. Awkward. Not to make it awkward. I just you call me. You call me quick. I'll take the compliment. Oh God. Oh God. Now, <laughs> now I get the joke. It, <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm a little slow. Uh, I, I just figured. <laughs> oh out. I yeah, just, humble I just, brag. I just figured out what you're doing. Humble no, no, brag. no. I'm not. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, back on. Yeah. So, so if we don't see Dickie Bennett again, I think you and I are both on the same team. That, um, that that that's we we got a really good coda to the Dickie Bennett gets put in jail storyline. When of course Dewey, they tell somebody tells Dewey Crow to think about his. Raylan says, "Who's your best friend? Who's the only person who cares about you?" And Raylan's trying to say, "It's me. Come to me. Like, give me the dope. I, all these people are looking for you." I can help you. I'm your only friend in the world right now. And Dickie's like, or, uh, and, and Dewey Crow's like, no, Dickie Bennett's my only friend. Yeah. I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> so 
<laughs> it was really funny. It, I really love the Dewey Dicky relationship. I think is really awesome. Yeah, so it it makes total sense that he popped up in that realm. It makes total sense that he tried to get Raylan. He tried to get anything he could off of Raylan because he's a scumbag and he's a worm and he's a coward. Raylan wouldn't give him anything. And so Dickie's response to that was fantastic. And if we don't see him again, that's great. Selfishly, I'd love to see him, but not. Uh, we're obviously going to get a ton of Mary Steenburgen or, or we're going to have her featured at least for a while on this season. I think they did a good job of introducing her from season five. Uh, like I said, with Boyd building her up a little bit. It, you finding out about her husband, Wynn calling her in as an advisor. So this is somebody that Wynn Duffy trusts and, and thinks can provide an outside set of eyes. And she's got specific tasks for Boyd. So she's doing something. Uh, and I really like, she's like, I'm just a country grandmother. You've got me all wrong. She is clearly not. So I like where that, that could end up. She also might very well be the hottest country grandmother on the planet. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> Sounds like you're really on Team Steenburgen. I'm on Team Steenburgen and Dancing. I love those two. Yeah, I, I really like them in Curb. That's where I, I I like them most, I think. I actually didn't like them that much on Bored to Death. I thought, I mean, I loved him on Bored to Death. I thought I was a little over the top when they brought her in for that. So uh, maybe maybe best to leave them, uh, leave, leave the dancing out of Justified. Man, anyway, we've got, we, we'll, we'll, set up, we'll set it up shortly here, but we've got a lot of, we've got a couple of big names. Yo, set, set it up now. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, we, set, that, we, set that up now. We've got Sam Elliott, a man who seems like he was born to be on Justified, although I hear he's on Justified sans mustache. Oh, it's not mustachioed. I hear that. I hear that the. He, I hear so the mustache the, is gone. If that's true, if we have Sam Elliott without mustache on Justified, and we also have Win Duffy without mustache. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not happy about the Win Duffy no mustache thing, but I think it's a greater crime to have Sam Elliott on Justified without a mustache. That's I, ridiculous. I think there may be a strong mustache bias on on this show. Like, like there's no like a no mustache rule. I, do, can you think of any great justified mustaches off the top of my head? I mean, We're going to have to go to the comments on that one. Leave your justified mustache co- power rankings in the comments. I when Duffy's was great, but it's gone. It's gone. That was the best by far. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. He, I hear he's showing up songs mustache, but he could show up in just about any capacity and I'll buy it. You talk yeah, about it'll still be great. Ghost of Raylan future like that. Sure. I don't know where that'll play out, but I don't know if he's going to, I I don't know. Do you know? I mean, I don't know. Do you know any details about what he's going to, I just heard he was going to be no mustache. That's all I heard. Uh, no, I know very little about the new people who are coming to season six outside of the casting. I know that he's going to come into the fray. I know Garrett Dillahunt from Deadwood and a whole bunch yes. of other shows. He's a tremendous, tremendous character actor uh, is, is coming into the fray as well. Um, I feel like I know some other casting, but off the top of my head, it's just not coming to me. Uh, Interesting factoid about Garrett Dillahunt on yeah. this show. Uh, I heard, speaking of Sans Mustache, I heard Garrett Dillahunt's coming to this show full beard. Yeah, he is full beard. He's going full beard. Full uh, beard. That's always. Oh, here's somebody who's going to be on it is uh, Jeff Fahey from Lost. Uh, we're going to get Lapidus. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got Lapidus. I mean, the, this is it. But what did they do? They just decided to load up with every bullet they could fire. I, I think mean, that's they, fantastic. I think, I think that they heard that you and I were podcasting about Justified and they decided they should kick some more Lost game our way. Uh, yeah. You know what, Justified writers? Um, I, as Four thumbs up. Four thumbs up to that. You know, Dewey Crow's got four kidneys. I got four thumbs for you. Uh, great call. I feel like uh, I feel like if they had wanted Bo, uh, like Bo Crowder, like senior 
to be a bigger role. I feel like Jeff Fahey, like if that, if that was somebody they could have gotten, that would have. I think I would have accepted that. I would have bought that. I would have bought him as a Crowder. So yeah. I don't know if he's going to come in as a Crowder. I don't know what role he's going to play on Justified, but no idea. I, I could buy him as a as a Crowder. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, all right. So let's start wrapping up here. I think this is another interesting thing. Just while I'm in the spirit of uh, quoting Graham Yost, uh, this is actually from a TV line interview that, that he just gave, uh, Graham Yost gave about uh, what to expect from the final season of Justified. Uh, and he's asked about the themes of season six. This is an interesting thing to, to get us talking about as we're, uh, as we're wrapping up here. He says, as always, a couple of themes emerge early and then some other themes develop along the way. But one of them from the chomp was the notion of one last thing before I go. That classic setup in crime movies where the bad guy says, one more big job, and then we're done. And that rarely goes well. And in our case, in addition to Boyd, it's also one more thing for Raylan. One more big job for him, and then he can join Winona and their baby in Florida. That seldom goes well either. So that's one of the big themes uh, that the writers are playing with with season six. Uh, and you get a real nice taste of that at the end of season five where yes. Boyd, Boyd looks ready to like lay his cards down. And he's like, I'm, I'm out. And they're like, yeah, but you're really good at robbing banks. You should do that for us. He's like, Oh, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, you've got this, this whole situation with Raylan. Uh, you know, he, he could leave for Florida, but he's going to stick around and he's going to try and work this case against Boyd with Ava. Uh, and you even get that line, you know, as uh, you'll never leave Harlan alive is playing in the background where Ava says, I'm scared. And Raylan just turns to her and says, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, uh, not really, probably. Nothing's going to be fine. You get this, <laughs> you know, you don't say everything's going to be fine unless everything's going to go to shit. Yeah, that's uh, Chekhov's, that's Chekhov's fine, right? Yeah, that's, that's Chekhov's, that's Chekhov's, Chekhov's fine line. Yeah, that's Chekhov's fine line. And I, I really... Oh boy, howdy! I mean, I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous going into this final season. This is something that uh, one of our regular listeners and one of our, our prolific commenters, Susan Appleby, talked about a while ago. I don't have to comment in front of me, but I know that she she had written something along the lines of like, "I'm very worried for my favorite characters. I'm very worried about what could happen to you know, say Tim." Uh, and I, you know, I never really thought about is Tim going to be in trouble? Is Tim Gutterson going to take a bullet? Of course not. He's Tim Gutterson. He's the man. Uh, he's just going to get an erection and sit around. Yeah, he's That's gonna get a Marshall Stiffy. He'll be good. <laughs> and you know, the show has been pretty good about you know keeping you know people get killed off all the time, but like the actual series regulars are pretty consistent. The only series regular to leave uh, was Winona. Uh, and that's because she had another job come up. Uh, everyone else who's a series regular who appears in the main credits before the title, they're all still alive. Uh, could some or many of them go when season six starts, I'm thinking that's certainly, you know, possible. Save, save those bullets for, uh, for the final season. You could see it. And you've got, uh, you know, what I was thinking was, uh, you know, thinking about that, that character that I, I just had not really given any thought to until, you know, this rewatch, basically until he died, Jimmy, you know, Boyd's, Boyd's secondhand man. And then when he, when he was bleeding out, the first thought that came to my head was like, yeah, that sucks. You know, Jimmy was kind of Boyd's Tim. And then the second thought was, 
oh man, they really could kill Tim in the final season of Justified, and that would be brutal. So I'm worried for a lot of these people. You know, it could you could see it going so bad for so many of these people. You know, Rachel has finally gotten what she wants. It seems like she's in, in charge of the marshals. Who knows what happens if Art steps back in and, and takes over? But even even so, he's retiring soon. She's the choice. She's finally gotten what she wanted. How easy would it be to just sniper right now? You know, so I'm I'm really very concerned about this final season of Justified with this with this Chekhov's fine line. I think everything's not going to be fine. It might be very fine for us as viewers in terms of this season being awesome, uh, but I don't think that everything is going to be awesome for the characters. Yeah, and I, and I I agree. And we talked about this on a previous episode. I don't think you end four of your five seasons with you'll never leave Harlan alive, uh, and then everyone leaves Harlan alive. Like I just don't see that being the case. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and I think you know even even the writers, even I believe Graham Yost has said at this point, like, yeah, people really didn't like that we didn't do you'll never leave Harlan alive in season three. So we had to bring it back for season five, and I kind of feel like we probably have to have it at the end of the show. So if, that, if you're using that as like kind of a, a touchstone to start working toward, that you'll never leave Harlan alive is going to be playing over the final scenes of Justified, what could that possibly be you know, contrasted with in terms of what images are we seeing? What's, what's happening on the screen? What happened emotionally? What happened to these people? Could be very bad. Well, yeah. And there, I mean, there could be literal deaths. There could be metaphoric deaths. Like maybe the Raylan Givens that is, has been so tortured and troubled. Maybe he will finally, you know, put himself down, but I don't think we've seen the last of those, those graves at Arlo's house. I just oh, don't, I know. And it's, it's tough. I, 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 you know, we're going to get, hopefully we're going to get some more constable Bob. Hopefully we're going to get uh, some of the Harris brothers popping up again. Um, Cause I don't think we, we, you know, we, I don't think we've confirmed that they're, they're gone. I hope we get Loretta again. I'd like to see Limehouse again. I think that under the right circumstances, uh, he could absolutely pop up in an episode or two. I think Thompson and Ellen may are done, but I don't know. Uh, I hope just, so. I don't, I don't need to yeah, see them anymore. I, I agree with that. And, and I think that there's a lot the show has hit on that I think that they've put to bed. And there's a lot left where they could bring people in. But ultimately, it comes back to, to Raylan and Boyd and, and that storyline. And I think that to the extent any of those surrounding one-off characters pull them away, um, I hope that any, any appearances sort of tie in and are, are you know kind of central to the point where we've got Raylan and Boyd and what's going on there. And when you point out that Raylan could have left, uh, I think that, that that's what's key. It's like, yeah, Boyd could have walked away and was ready to walk away. Raylan had already been transferred. He he wants to help get Boyd, but he doesn't have to. Does I mean, not it, have to. Yeah, he's chosen his own fate to stick around there and deal with this. So I, I don't know that that's, that's necessarily a, a really good choice for him. I am very interested to see what becomes of Art and, and Raylan and Art because I don't think that that was the last scene in the hospital there between the two of them. But if Rachel's in charge of the office, I don't know. Um, I don't know how we'll get Art uh, or what we'll see or how much time will have passed or or any of it. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that could play out, uh, the Raylan and Art relationship and Art's role specifically. I think if they wanted to kill Art, they certainly could have last season. Uh, so the fact that they didn't tells me that he's got something to do in season six here. Um, we'll just see how it is, and we'll see how that plays out. All right. Well, Antonio and I, we are talking on the eve of the of, – of the, it's the final night. It's Justified Series uh, final season premieres eve right now as, as we're recording that. That's, that's a the hashtag, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a mouthful of a hashtag. Uh, so we're, we're excited. It was really I, – I was really amped up to talk about season five with you 
you know, we, we tried to talk about it over the past couple of days. A few things got in the way, but we're finally talking about it now. I'm really feeling really amped up for the for this show to come back. Uh, this rewatch. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys did did a rewatch or just listened to us talking about the show, uh, but for me, just I I don't know about you, Antonio, but rewatching this whole show in, in such a short period of time, my uh, excitement for this show has never been higher. So we're we're on the edge of of something pretty cool, I hope, or I potentially something very disappointing if it's not very good. But I, you know, all signs to the contrary. Uh, every everything has shown us that even I think that in talking through season five, I think you know you could power rank the seasons all you want, season five will likely end up on the bottom most of the times. But if season five is your weakest season of Justified, you've got a killer freaking show. Uh, I've, I've walked away from season five really enjoying this season and just really renewed my faith in this show to begin with. And I, I think that this final season could be, uh, I don't know, could go down to the books. It, it should be really good. All the pieces are in place for this to be a really killer uh, run of episodes. Yeah, I, I trust everyone involved with it. Their their body of work speaks for itself. I think people criticized on season five unfairly uh, because they were going moment to moment uh, and they weren't taking a step back and considering the whole. I found a lot of value in doing that with you here. Uh, and I am super excited for season six. And as a result of rewatching, I'm going to be super sad when Justified's done. I know, I know. It's gonna be. There's tough. no more new justified. That's gonna be really difficult um, for me to kind of stomach because even just now, with no more justified to rewatch, it's been difficult uh, because I've enjoyed bringing that back into my life and, and rewatching through the shows. Certainly, very thankful for all of you who rewatched or watched for the first time, or who were fans of the show who followed along with us. And stay tuned because we're gonna crush out all 13 episodes here. Josh, what's the plan tomorrow night? Uh, the plan tomorrow night is we're not going to be doing this live, but Antonio and I, after the episode, we're going to record our take on uh, the first episode of Justified Season 6. Uh, we will record that right after the episode, and we will have that up as soon as possible, either uh, that same night or Wednesday morning at the latest. So we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be with you guys with our take on the premiere very quickly after the premiere. Yeah, and we'll get that up on postshowrecaps.com. So if you want to follow that that episode thread, you can put your comments there. We'll we'll definitely engage actively there uh, throughout the course of the season at postshowrecaps.com on our show pages for the episodes. You can always send us feedback. Uh, if you want, you can tweet at us. Josh is what, at Round Howard? I believe that's correct. Is that is that like Ron Howard, but rounder? Yeah, Did you? I'm actually interviewing Ron Howard this week. That I, is not. It's true. It's the truth. Is it about the uh, the voiceover for Arrested Development? Uh, no, it's it's he's like doing one of his his canon projects. Oh, interesting. I'll probably so, ask him about Arrested Development though, and I'll probably yeah. ask him if he approves of my Twitter handle. Uh, well, you, that you, once you get that sign off, you'll be set because at Round Howard is pretty good, but the at like Ron Howard, but rounder is is the is the sauce that really puts it over the top. So. Yeah, tweet to Josh. Tell him what you think about his Twitter handle or his thoughts on Justified as a whole. You can tweet to me at AC Mazzaro. That's A C M A Z Z A R O. Two Z's, one R. Yeah, yeah. And and we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely if if you watch the episode tomorrow night live, you can tweet us your thoughts, and we'll try to feature him on the show. And then throughout the week, like I said, leave your comments at postshowrecaps.com, and we'll definitely hit him there for sure. Awesome. Uh, and what did, what are we thinking on this hashtag here, Antonio? What did we <laughs> land on? What did we, well, we land on? What did we land on? Like uh, like uh, poor Danny Crow on on that knife in his, in his throat. <laughs> I didn't see it myself, Josh. Otherwise, I would have warned you. I know. I, I, the thing is, I wanted to do good dope, but then it just spells out go dope and i don't think we can do that 
Uh, G-A-D-O-P-E. That's Godope, and I don't know. Yeah, that's dangerous. I don't think you want to do that. Uh, Yeah, G-O-D-O-P-E is very bad. We don't want that. So, I don't know. Is Chekhov's fine line too long? Uh, No. You know what? That's for the dedicated people. If you guys guys have made it through an hour and a half of us talking about Justified Season 5, uh, and you have, you know, presumably listened to all of these other Justified podcasts we've done. I think you could stomach hashtag Chekhov's fine line. C H A K O V S fine line. Yes, that sounds that sounds like the line. I'm going to tweet it at you right now. All right, that sounds like the line we want to ride. Uh, yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna ride that line all the way to the premiere of Justified season six coming up real soon. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening along during the rewatch. Uh, Antonio and I have had a ton of fun uh, interacting with all of you guys, let alone watching the shows. Uh, so really pumped up for this final season. That's going to be happening real soon. And until then, uh, see you on the other side. 